Hello, this is Heike Kovalainen. Despite some signs of hope, it now looks likely I will not be appearing in this show. Oh well. Maybe the next one. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. He's Richard Porter. Hello. He's Paul Zog Ierson. Hello. I've never given you your full title on the programme before. I'm either Zog or I'm Paul, depending on, You're not what, Paul depending on the context. You're not Paul, inverted commas, Zog Ierson. You're not, it's Zog. It's context. So, yeah. let's be clear on this. And I'm Gareth. I am really a sad car freak, and I know it, Jones, because as I was walking down Church Street here the other day, a car came towards me and I stopped in my tracks and I applauded it and I gave a visible thumbs up to the driver and he smiled back at me because that car was a K-Reg Ford Capri GT the 2000 I think okay in orange oh nice did it have a matte black bonnet yeah it had a vinyl roof the black vinyl roof not a matte black bonnet it should have had and you'd have done the same wouldn't you if you'd have seen that car you'd have stopped and gone mate well wouldn't you at least you know you'd 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 have acknowledged them you'd have at least tried to make eye contact tip of the hat yeah tip of the hat yeah probably not he almost uh, got a kiss from me i tend to take pictures of cars and i wrote a column for evo magazine about this a few weeks ago that I find this, I was going to say crazy and make myself sound about 80 years old, but the thing of taking pictures of everything with your mobile phone, because we now all carry a camera with us in a way that even 10 years ago we didn't. And I noticed this because I went to that Blur gig in Hyde Park last summer, and it's one of the best concerts I've ever been to. It's on that kind of scale for a band to really rip it up the way they did. It was superb, but I noticed that a lot of people in front of me were just watching the whole gig, essentially through the screen of their camera phone. Mm. (laughs) what are you going to do with that footage when you get home because I'm sure there'll be an official DVD release of the concert which will be beautifully shot and as opposed to some wobbly awful footage with distorted audio audio, and every time you take a sip of your squashy glass of beer it's going to wobble even more Plus, and and, and it gets into that problem and I'm aware of this every time I'm either taking a picture or taking video at some event that I'm really into. I'm aware that this is happening, so I don't use the camera too much. You're concentrating too much on using the camera rather than on enjoying the moment. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. when you're you at know, the, the, bird, the human you mind is capable of retaining yeah. great moments in little snapshots or even sometimes, you know, you can sort of play the video in your head. And that's better than going to your computer yeah. and watching it back and then yeah. actually tainting the memory of it because yeah. what you're watching is some rather poor quality footage with a dreadful audio on it. So I yeah. suppose what I'm saying is really I sometimes despair of the fact that we're all tempted to pull out our phones with our cameras in them to photograph and video things that should just be enjoyed for what they are. But yeah. a K-Reg Ford Capri driving down Church Street, I would probably have to photograph that. I am very Bearded. pleased that people do photograph cars these days because I seem to have become the clearinghouse for all shooting breaks in the UK. (laughs) Every time someone sees any shooting break, I now get a a tweet saying, oh, Gareth, I saw this, and I'm very grateful. I'm very, very grateful. You you love your shooting breaks. Hey, I'm a trendsetter. Have you noticed how many shooting breaks there are now suddenly? 
you know, apart from the Mercedes shooting brake and the sport brake from Jaguar, have you seen the new Honda that's coming out at Geneva? The, I've seen previews of it at this stage. Civic, um, yeah. Civic yeah, estate this, concept yeah. for the time being, which means they're probably going to do it. It's a bit of a shooting brake. I know it's got five doors, but it's got a bit going on. I'm, anyway, sorry. I wanted to bring something up mm -hmm. um, about this. Talking about cars we've seen we want to take photos of in a kind of local radio link kind of way. Yeah. Bring it round to uh, my great mates. Uh, cars you don't see. And I'm not talking about stuff that, that you go, oh, cars you don't see or a DD on boots on. Well, of course you don't see it all the time. But I'm talking about current production cars that, that are readily on that sale. should be around. And, and you yet, just, yeah. you never seem to see them. Because hmm. uh, I think sometimes cars can disappear into the background. Yeah. And you just don't notice them because they're there all the time. And you sort of say, oh, you don't really see Ford Focuses around. And you go, well, actually, you do. You're just, you just, you're just tuning them out a little yeah. bit. There's so and many we of are car geeks. We do notice this stuff. And there are certain cars that I've noticed, but only I've noticed the fact how few you see of them. And I'll give you number one example, the latest generation, Volkswagen Touareg. Oh. Did you even remember there was a latest no, generation? There was, wasn't Now, there? the first generation Touareg, of which you see a few around. Yeah, cheaper than a KM, better value yeah, than a KM. Yeah, yeah. Might no, as well it was one. not very yeah. good. You know my position on yeah. those kind of big Hold tractors, first. forget it. Yeah, not, but, but yeah, better value. First thing, Touareg wasn't, the first generation Touareg wasn't very good. I've driven the second generation Touareg, yeah. and it is actually quite good, if yeah. you like that sort of thing. I can't I really ever remember seeing one, apart from the other day when I saw one, I suddenly thought... Oh, uh, I've forgotten about that. Hmm. And then I remembered I'd actually driven it when it first came out. And I thought, well, that's, that was all right. But I'm sure I drove that about two years ago. Nobody is buying it, wow. as far as I can work out. Do you know what we don't see? Yes. The Ampera, the Vauxhall Ampera. That's true. I saw one about three days ago. And again, wow. because they're such a rare sight, I went, oh, look, there's an Ampera. Yeah. And actually, with cars like that, the first thing I do is have a little shifty at the number plate to see if it's got just a the press. Vauxhall logo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See the yeah, press, or yeah. it's a demonstrator, or it's from head office, something like that. The one I saw the other day, I'm sure it had something odd, like a Chester or a Carlisle registration or something. It looked like but it was in London. Whoa. But you see, you can do that. No range anxiety. Yeah. Down the M6, not a problem. I was going to mention the Citroen C4 as well. Yeah. Never see those see around. Now it's in there. So yeah, but you know that the old C4 was quite radical. And, yeah. and because they now have the DS4 and DS5 yeah. all off the same chassis, shouldering the burden of radical design and these things. Sub-brand engineering. All that stuff. Yeah. And so the normal C4 now, it's almost impossible to describe. It's almost like a damp mist rather than an actual car. <laughs> It's an incredibly bland-looking thing. Yeah. And yet, I did see one the other day. I, for a moment, mm. I went, what's that? Because it's so You've bland. You've kind of forgotten what forgotten it, it existed. Yeah. Uh, but I swear you never see them. If you saw a GSA, I don't, I don't think you'd notice it. Oh, yeah. damn right. I'll be have my camera out on that mm. bad boy. In fact, I haven't seen a GSA for ages. I'm like, my drummer in my first school band used to have a, a GS estate. Maybe I've mentioned this on the programme before. Could get his entire drum kit in the back. And the suspension didn't sag at exactly. all. Exactly. No, it didn't. He it. it was great, that car. The dr drums aren't that heavy, though, aren't they, really? No, they're voluminous. Though. Yeah. True, they're so, light. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, your kick drum, it's mostly air. Talking yeah, about French that, cars, you know, cars who you don't see. How about cars that I've noticed there are loads of suddenly, which is inexplicable when you consider the position of that company in the UK at the moment... I keep seeing Megans. Loads of Megans. I saw the Megan Estate. I've seen the Cup. I've seen mm. the regular hatch. First of all, they all look really good. You know how some cars, either we grow to get used to them 
or they look better a couple of years down the line. Fords are often good at this. They first come out, I go, oh, I don't like that. Oh, and I like Ford. I'm disappointed. Two years later, I'm going, Do you know, it's a good bit of design. The McGann is one yeah, of Yeah, the Ford I've got in it. It's got a lot of flair. And the McGann, they're still selling the McGann and the Clio in the UK, aren't they? Yeah, well, new Clio's just coming yeah. out. Uh, but that's it. For right now, apart from the Twizy. And the, uh, and the... What else are they doing? The electric... Uh, it might explain why I saw the January car sales figures the other day. By make. And it's all... You wouldn't expect things like uh, sort of Audi shifting more cars than Peugeot. Really? I think. I should have checked this before but, yeah. I started speaking about it. But the one thing that did strike me was that the Renault's figure was catastrophic. They sold sort of like 2,000 cars compared to Ford and Vauxhall and then Volkswagen, I think, were the but big Al- sellers all doing 12. But Audi being cars. a sort of notably successful is interesting because mm. I, the way they've expanded their range and changed their range in the last few years, they're obviously getting a lot of the market share that Renault would have had. Well, um, they are, because there's also, there seems to be there's these sort of easy finance and things going on, and also just the people who are spending their own money will go, well, actually, over the long term, that will be a better buy, because it won't lose its value so much. Because People are more, more aware demand. of the depreciation. Yeah, though, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I you... drove the new A3 the other day. And Did it's... it have any impact on you at all? Well, it's fine, and there's something about it which I think is very important, and you can see why people buy them. We always go around as people who know about cars and say, oh, don't get an A3, just get a Golf, you know, or actually get a Skoda Octavia if you're really not that fussed about badge, because they're all the same car underneath, and in yeah. many ways the Skoda hmm. sort of feels like it has more integrity, because it's, it's just a yeah. car. It's a car, it goes, it stops, it'll keep you dry when it rains. And the Audi, you shut the doors and they shut with this incredible thunk, the dashboard is very nicely done. It feels expensive. For the first time, I've understood why someone would buy an Audi A3. I wouldn't mm. personally, but there's nothing wrong but with you're that. Getting the, the ride wasn't that bad, which is not something you can say about Audi. Some stuff, cars are good enough for you not to notice. Toyota have built a career on that, a car which is just so functional. It's like an but that's the thing. But this is the thing. If you wanted a functional car, you would buy a Toyota or you would buy a Skoda, perhaps. Mm. But this is where Audi, I think, have been quite clever. They add that little layer of garnish. They do, this yeah. is the yeah. frosting on top. They add the stuff that you notice rather than doing yeah. something that you don't notice because it just does its job. And that's why they sold sort of 9,000 cars in Britain in January and Renault only sold 2,000. And Proton and Lotus sold four and two cars respectively in the last month or was, was it, it two oh, and four so the other way around? It's just dismal. So sad. But you know, they're still probably ahead of their targets. <laughs> Hello, Proton UK. Mr. Gresley, it's Ringback de Cthulhu from the head office in Malaysia. I'm calling to inquire if you have sales figures for the last quarter. Ah, yeah, uh, sales figures, yeah. How many cars did Proton sell in the UK in the last three months? Um, um, four. Four? Is that good? Um, yeah, it is as it goes. But what is the population of Great Britain? It's four. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Terrible cold went round. Now there's just four of us. Well, five, including me. So in the last three months, everyone in Britain bought one of our cars. That's wonderful. Yes. But wait, if everyone in the UK has just bought a Proton, that means we won't sell any more this year. Ah, no, wait, it's OK. Uh, car crime's very bad here. Uh, they'll soon need replacements. 
I see. But wait, that means one of the four people will steal the other three people's protons. But why when he has a proton of his own? Unless, Mr. Grasley, are you the thief? <laughs> no, sir. It's the French. Yeah, they pull over here all the time and steal our protons. Vicious swines they are. And because of their foul stealing ways, I'm very confident that we will sell a record-breaking three or four cars next quarter too. Well, this is wonderful news. What's that? Okay, I have to go now. They're delivering another enormous government subsidy to prop up a completely untenable car-making operation. When I was little, my dad used to get RAC magazine, which I think was quarterly or yearly magazine. And there always seemed to be a competition in this classic, almost Blue Peter type competition for kids. Design a car of the future. Where they invite kids to come up with their vision of cars in the future. Hover cars, all that sort of thing. If you were given carte blanche you Richard, you Zog, to design or come up with a car, not necessarily a car of the future, what would that car be? We've talked before about some of our ideas about what would be good sort of urban transport and what sort of a good urban run around. And so what I'm going to suggest, it would kind of fit into that bracket, but it's got to be a bit more than that. It has to be more than just an urban run around. So what I basically want is something that has something of the look of a 1920s, 1930s lightweight sports car along the lines of, you know, an old Alfa Romeo, an old Bugatti, absolutely. Um, um, A Type 35. And thank you for pointing out that I said Type 34 incorrectly before. The reason I did that when I mentioned that before, I was thinking about the 1924 Type 35. Anyway, that's a subject. Yeah, that may have been a factor. Who knows? Uh, Okay, so... um, I don't think it was. So I want something that really has something with the character of that lightweight two-seater sports car. What sort of engine? Um, it's going to have electric propulsion. I'm not sure whether these are going to be hub-mounted motors or whether it's going to be a, a central single electric motor with transmission distributing to either all four or probably the two rear wheels. You'd want to put not a sure motor on each wheel, I think, I think probably hub-mounted. I think probably hub-mounted yeah. wheels. Now, the thing is... They're coming, aren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, it's nothing yeah. new. The Lunar Rover yeah. had hub-mounted yeah. electric motors. I think, actually, the Lona Porsche, the yes. first design that Ferdinand Porsche put on but the, the road had now, hub-mounted electric motors. We have the electronic brains to be able to control them much more precisely. Yep. And I think that's something that engineers really like because all the stuff that currently stability control systems do mm-hmm. with modulating power to an individual wheel... Electronic you can do directly. You yes. can do it, and it's yeah. a really crude way where you're sort of breaking a wheel. Yeah, yeah, so essentially, yeah. you're just it's, oh, no, the, the, it's messy. There are so many ways in which an electric motor, and in particular, you know, a hub-mounted electric motor, is superior to an internal combustion engine. You've got way fewer moving parts. You've got much better reliability. You've got much better efficiency, and you've got the same mechanism doing the propulsion and at least some of your braking. It's not doing all of your braking, but that's all good stuff. The bit that I would want to work on most with this thing is going to be the power pack. It's what is 
producing the electric power that's getting to those motors because batteries have their advantages, but but they're, range. but they're heavy. Well, limited range, limited range. Yeah, depends on where you want to go. You know, yeah. the petrol has limited range. It, it's about how much mass you have to put into the thing to get a certain range. And my ideal thing is you've got a certain number of batteries, but then you've also got, as on the Ampera, you've basically got an onboard generator. Yeah. The problem seems to be in making that whole thing sufficiently lightweight. Getting a sufficiently powerful generator into your vehicle gets a little bit tricky. But, Nuclear. Uh, it's the future. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm all up for fusion power. I'm all up for, uh, for s- nuclear power. But uh, so, so, I, that, that, may, that may be a little way down the road. But there we go. That's my baby. Two-seater, lightweight, looks like a Bugatti Type 35. It's electric. There's That's my baby. The Ison nuclear Bugatti. I'd buy one of those. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, I'd buy one. I wouldn't crash into one. <laughs> what have you got? Zog and I, we could probably do some kind of platform sharing thing here because I'm thinking lightweight, hey, two-seater, urban sort of let's talk, sports baby. car thing. I always liked the smart roadster. I had one for a while as a long-term mm. test car. I thought it was a terrific concept that smart couldn't make stick. One of the biggest flaws with that car was the ride was terrible and it's, it's basically an urban car where the roads are at their worst. So I would consider... Like you mentioned earlier on, Car of the Future was often a hover car. Yeah. Why well, Hovering is the ultimate way to get ride quality. Yeah. But I'm thinking it's impractical because I'm liking your hybrid range extender drivetrain thing. Where I think we're agreed. I would also make it look modern. Or I would become a little bit more modern. One of the greatest and unsung success stories is the Nissan Figaro. People yes. certainly in London mm-hmm. want them yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, totally. Because retro cars are successful, Mini, Fiat yeah. 500. But yeah. the Figaro has a particular sort of cult following. And it's retro, but it doesn't directly derive from anything. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed that more car makers who haven't got great inbuilt history, like Hyundai and Kia or someone like that, don't go down that path mm. of making essentially a classic car that you can use every day. Because the main reason that people like classic cars, particularly people who aren't that into cars, mm. the reason they like them is because they look cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they've got some. That's why the Nissan Figaro is popular. Mm. It's a Mark One Micro. It's a bloody awful car underneath. Interesting, but it, but it great. Does, So here's where I'm going to go. You're yeah. going to go sort of 30s, very elegant. But yeah. but I'm going to update it a little bit more. But I think I would offer a retro model, maybe model on the Frog Eye Sprite or something like that. But I'd like to do a modern one too. We've got our hybrid drivetrain. Now here's where I'm going to accept that you've done the hard work here, the way that it's built. Building cars in factories is horribly inefficient because the factory has to be run at full chat to make sense. Mm -hmm. So it's inefficient in terms of making money and making sense. I'm thinking it's so modular that it's built on a localised level. You order your car and then your dealer gets the correct parts in a way that IKEA might work to assemble it on site. And it's so modular that if you suddenly decide you didn't want a blue one, you wanted a red one. They can just give you the body panels. Now, we've been promised this before with Smart, Smart stuff, with yeah, the BMW yeah. Z1. Yeah. Yeah. But the truth was that it took hours for the panels to be changed over. I'm thinking truly they'd clip on, bolt on. Ford were working on some stuff in the 90s in the US with Von Way Velcro that was very clever. Although I can see a downside to car body panels that come on and off too easily. Oh, yeah, you, you know, know you can hang find on, your hang doors on. have been nicked. He's experienced that, <laughs> yes, though, because exactly. bonnet coming off in your face. Right? Actually, I, yeah, although, to be fair, I had fallen asleep at the wheel and run up over the embankment, and that, but that's a whole other story. That's yeah. not part of it. That's, yeah. that's not an influence. But, but you know, you know, in all seriousness, surely it's the case that if you're developing a car that has an electric drivetrain and hub-mounted motors, you're going down this kind of road. 
it's easier to make the whole thing modular and to do some of the kind of things you're talking about here because it's easier to move parts of your drivetrain and your electronics around the vehicle to suit this slightly modified design than it is in a regular internal combustion engine car because in a petrol engine car you can maybe move your petrol tank around relatively easily but you can't move the gearbox you can't move the engine itself on your electric vehicle you can move the controller around you can mm-hmm. move the batteries around okay you've got to keep your weight distribution but you can move them there are fewer fixed points on the car is what I'm saying Making there are, th- more there are versatile fewer fixed work, mechanical yeah. points yeah. that you have to stick to when you're shuffling the rest of the stuff around and putting another body on so yeah maybe we can maybe we can modular work. Lego Lego yeah, should they, be the inspiration got a name for Lego it? and Ikea no I, I, I haven't got yeah. a name for it at the moment I just think we'll just call it the ruddy excellent and uh, I like that we might not translate yeah. but I have two final features I want this car to be fitted with and I want all cars in the future to be fitted with number one we're used to the concept of indicators Right? Yeah. We know. Left or right. Why don't we have the I'm going straight on light? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's been too long coming. It's green, it's in the middle, and it just tells people I'm going straight on. Number two, the horn. We all have a car with a horn. I I like to know what the horn is like in any car that I'm testing out. It's surprising. Sometimes you get small cars with very sort of horns, and you get big cars with a kind of horn. Now, this is fine, but the horn can be quite aggressive. You know, sometimes you're trying to just hoot the horn because you want to do a gentle kind of... Excuse me, the lights have gone green, but you haven't noticed. So yeah. I'm proposing a dual horn system, nice. and the second horn goes... <coughs> nice. <laughs> you've got a polite <laughs> horn, you've got a little sort of... Exactly. You, you have the excuse me uh, horn. The excuse me horn, and then the... You f- what are you Egg doing, is, horn? No, I like it. Or I the, like you're it. about to crush me with your lorry horn. That's but it. The, <clears throat> yep. horn. Oh, dear me. So, Zog, you like- come up with an atomic Bugatti. How did I not predict that? And, Richard, you come up with a car capable of swearing. How did I not predict no, that? a car capable of not swearing. A car capable of going, <coughs> excuse me, and also of going, I'm sorry, I'm going to go straight on here. I know it looks like I'm not doing yeah, anything, I- so I'm not indicating, but that's because I'm going to go straight on. You want to know what I come up with? The Gilbert Invader? maybe you're right I'll tell you in a minute Testing for the new Formula One season has begun in earnest down in Barcelona and our reporter Felicity OB is there Felicity what can you tell us so far well, Nick, Lewis Hamilton has had a few problems along the way, but he's showing good progress. Jensen Button is solid, as ever. It's sometimes hard going with Fernando Alonso, and the Lotus team are trying very hard. Almost too hard, some would say. Any other notable events out on the track? On track? Oh, God, no, they won't let me in there. I was talking about their Twitter feeds. Gareth Jones on speed. The whole idea of talking about designing your own car, as I explained before, came from this RAC magazine competition I used to read in the 60s and the 70s. And so it's no surprise when I finally come to sketch my car of the future that I think it looks or is very 70s. I had to draw it. Do you want to see it? Come on, yeah. let's see it. Looks hang on. Hang on, hang on. Before you unfold this, can I make yeah. a prediction? Yeah. Okay, we can see from the side view it's got four wheels yeah. so far. So far. I think there are going to be more wheels it's on the back of it. It's on a suspiciously folded piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, like all great designs, it's on a suspiciously folded envelope, envelope. isn't it? Envelope, as yeah. used by, you know, Gordon Murray and, and everyone else. In the old days... <laughs> 
envelopes as used by people who need to send things. I used one today, in fact, let, to send a birthday Let me card. describe what these poor lads are looking at. Something which looks a bit like a smart car. It's truncated, a two-seater, yep. four wheels, very upright, wedgy, big 70s bumpers. Look at those. It's a city car, big bumpers, you know. Oh, look. is that what it is? It's You've a, it's a bit sort of Mercedes yeah, A-Class. pedestrian safety. Uh, well, very deep windows, I yeah, guess. Yeah, well, visibility, you know, curbs, yeah. you know, all that. But this car is a Zev, right? It's a city car, so it's got a range of about, what, 50 or 60 miles. It's all you need for city use like that. Yeah, Sit yeah, two people yeah. in, completely useless at weekends, so people usually buy two cars. Not anymore. Thanks to my invention, what you have is this bit, this almost like articulated trailer, which plugs into the back of your car. Yeah. And in the back there, you've got an extra row of seats, you've got luggage space behind that, and you've got a range extender you've got an IC motor in here. So when you've got yeah. to do the trip up to North Wales to visit the family or go camping, you have that almost articulated trailer bit that plugs in. Because welding a whole second car the size of the first one onto the back of your own your, your original car makes no difference at all to the handling or... It's, you know. it's articulated, Tom. It's articulated it's, at that point there. Okay, yeah. okay. It hinges, so you've got like a tractor yeah. and trailer unit. Uh, like a, like okay. a bendy bus. Like a bendy bus, yeah. Okay. Very like a bendy now, bus. in a sense, I like the way you're thinking. In another sense... <laughs> yeah. Come on, it's well, Bruce okay. guys thinking. Okay. <laughs> What's the floor? Okay, the floor is... I can't see it. How many people yes. are going to drive this thing and having got used to the way it drives, yeah. you know, as it handles, yeah. you basically got used to the clearance at the side, you yeah. got used to the space of the vehicle, you know, you've got that sense of what gaps you can go through, yeah. how to get around that bollard. Mm. You know, people you, tow caravans, you, you know. Attach- no one we'd want to be friends with. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, that thing, it's going to get wedged in all kinds of gaps. The side is going to end up getting cracked against every gate post. You'd allow for that in the same way that when I'm driving an R-Class, I don't drive it like I drove my little Suzuki Cappuccino. I know it's the same driver's environment. You're a much more capable and thoughtful driver than most people on the road. You know, Bloody hell, that's a shock. But you think about... You I know, think you, about you know, driving, you, yeah. You, know, you, get, you, know, you think about driving, and when you get into a... You, know, you, you think about how this thing yeah. behaves. You mm-hmm. know, Most people are a bit more automatic about it, and you're going to get used to your little four-wheeler. You're going to forget that you've got this huge articulated thing stuck on the back... Mm. I don't think it will. Zog's saying it's like living in a flat where there's a door that goes into your kitchen and every day you go into the kitchen and you're used to it. But then one day you forget that actually you've plugged in a five-bedroom house that's down a staircase. (laughs) And you open your kitchen door and go, ah! (laughs) Well, those sorts of people don't deserve to live in a house that's so interesting and flexible and modern thinking. Well, if they've got a plug-in house, then... (laughs) (laughs) But the idea of having a separate unit, somehow that could... Give your car the capabilities in the weekends or the holidays. You wouldn't even park it outside your house. You'd pick it up from the local renter back end of your car department. Okay, and if we can somehow add a degree of, I don't know... Artificial intelligence, sort of tuning, electronic tuning to the handling so it kind of compensates. But wait, the renter back end of your car? Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. So what? By the hour? For example, a sort of a van option or a pickup option. Which you you could use instead. Rubble around for some reason or other. Or just yeah. go and buy uh, or come to the a jet sofa ski or something. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, exactly. But yeah. I don't think you would forget that you had this bit in the back because the front section and the rear section would 
open up, you know, there would be some sort of folding mechanism that would close the car off when it's been used as a two-seater. And when you have the trailer section, the divider would open up. And so you could hear the kids screaming in the back, Dad, please no more Slade. Can we listen to some Minecraft music? You'd hear that a lot. You'd have the lights would change inside, red or something, you are carrying the family, or blue. You know the way that Honda do that with their car these days? Depending which mode you're in, it changes the colour of the dash. They do that on the CRZ. It's like submarines, you know, when you're you're doing silent running they yeah. twitch to red yeah you know, yeah exactly that. that kind of stuff yeah. Yeah. so red alert war zone yeah. family on board I don't think you would forget and here's the thing the range extender motor would be either a gas turbine or a wankel a little rotary spinning mm-hmm. at optimum speed all the time Charging the batteries for the tractor unit and the extra motor in the trailer unit as well, which, as you correctly identified earlier on, hub motors all the way around, giving you individual control over all, let's not deny it, six wheels, which you would need to manage quite carefully. On that gas turbine thing, what is the efficiency issue with gas turbines? Because I had this idea that they're potentially more efficient than your regular reciprocating internal combustion engine. Mm but they're a lot less efficient to get going. Is that the payoff? Is that why They take a while to spin up to speed, and they're only really great when they're really, really spinning up to speed. Emissions emissions is what sinks them in the modern world. But hang on, but surely if you've got high efficiency, your emissions should be good, yes? Or is that... For reasons I don't understand, they are harder to clean up. You know, an internal combustion engine is cleaned. Right, okay, so... Exhaust catalysts and things like that. Now, I don't know what it is, because so cats the, like so, to so, run hot, and yet I think gas turbines run so hot yeah. that you can't just bung an exhaust and a cat on the back. They need to breathe out and, as fast uh, as possible. And maybe cooling the exhaust gases reduces the efficiency. So basically what you're saying is that although you might be getting more thermal efficiency out of the engine, you're getting more oxide of nitrogen and more... Obviously, some of the technology in my car in the future is open to development and you know, I, you know may that, never that, make it. I think to be fair, you know, we all have a little way to go down our <laughs> yeah, development roads yeah. here. So but that, um, that's it. I have a big problem with it. At the moment it's branded a speed, you know, for the programme. Yeah. But there is a name I really want for this car which I just can't have because it's a two element car, the front and the rear element. I wanted to call it the element. But Honda have already had that name, so mm-hmm. I'm stuck for a name. If you can think of a better name, email me. I yeah. just have two supplemental questions about cool. this. Number one uh, does it have a light on the front that tells people it's going straight on? And number two, does it have a horn that allows you to go, <clears throat> excuse me? And it's built by Bugatti. So there we go. Perfect car of the future. It combines all three of our ideas. I'd buy it. I'm sure you would. He was Zog. Goodbye. He was Richard. Goodbye. I'm going to leave you with a tune. It's the return of, well, let's be honest, our version of Gary Newman and Tubeway Army. This is Barry Newman and the Subway Navy. Do you like that song? Yeah, that's what we called it last time. Barry's back with a tribute to a genuine car of the future. The first remotely operated rover, which... 40 years ago, just last month in January, the second Lunacod, the Russian moon rover that looked rather like a Victorian bath, roved around on the lunar surface. So this is a song that is dedicated to the beauty that was Lunacod. See ya.
get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones!